today on Bottom of the Barrel, we will be opening Pandora's box. Aaron and I have been engaged in a furious texting battle over a variety of comparisons about 1980s movies. Um, it has been a thoroughly boring conversation populated by nothing but romance novels that apparently are romance movies that got Aaron late in the 90s. And also, he has a strange obsession with guns. So. I'm going to go on the record <laughs> and say that at the time during the last podcast when I said, name me one sequel that's better than the original, I knew that I couldn't think of any. Oh, I couldn't think of any. But I knew they existed. Really, I was hoping that you wouldn't be able to think of no, any. No, I couldn't. Of course not. But I know now everyone, you know, Brian but especially. It's cool because the listenership to this podcast could and like a hundred random text messages later from people that were like, this is a better sequel. Why did you let Aaron best you? I Again, they were all correct. I wasn't thinking about it in terms of the truth. I was thinking about it only in terms of beating me. Not letting you come up with a good idea. Well, I mean, I still stand by the fact that Die Hard 3 was better than Die Hard 1 or 2. No, nah, man. Well, maybe <laughs> one day we'll do a full episode as to why that's the case. Uh, I, in, instead, we've decided to pit a variety of things. Like, would you rather the bottom of the barrel podcast episode? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Would you rather have sex with RBG? Or the wrinkled old lady on the front row of the press corps who was kicked out. What was her name? <laughs> Why well, you got to make it weird, man? It's not weird. They're both very accomplished women, and you should be proud of having the opportunity to know them coitally. They're just old. <laughs> I mean, they are, but they are <clears throat> beautiful inside. Do you have, like, some kind of grandma fetish? You're like the dude that I'm... Grandma's point. The, <laughs> yeah. the grandma's category exists for. I would be into the grandma's category, but unfortunately, I feel as though they are too old. I know that I'm not. Age discrimination is a thing in the 21st century, and I apologize for being a bigot. But also, Kim and I once had a discussion about whether or not I could become a gigolo because, in Kim's mind, it was not threatening <laughs> that you know, like, oh, you're gonna have sex for money, right on. Um, and she also wants to be an easy rider, man. Well, she, she immediately started to backpedal the rules of engagement. Like, well, they have to be over a certain age. And like, I think that her initial age choice is like 50. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And apparently I said, oh, that's cool too rapidly because then she was like, well, 55 I was like, yep, still cool. And Dude. she, she was like, okay, they need to be over 60. I was like, I have no real fundamental problem with this. Those ladies just want to go out and have a nice dinner and then dance. Speaking of 80s movies, do you remember the movie Loverboy? Uh, wasn't that with... Uh, the extra anchovies? Yeah, the pizza delivery guy who banged everybody's mom. Yeah. Uh, that was McDreamy. Except was for the one... Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. But he was going to bang his mom. His mom called him to deliver <clears throat> pizza Yeah, with extra anchovies. And then yep. he got there and realized that it was his mom. He yeah. also banged that one chick that was a bodybuilder who had a bodybuilder husband. Yep. Yeah, and then he tried to kill... The pizza delivery boy. Yeah, that's that was, what. That's what it would be like. like if, a poor man's Brian Bosworth. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Well, um, Aaron insisted that we talk about. Would I didn't you rather insist on anything, man? This he is literally, your show. you literally were like, "Hey, but also guns." I'm like, "Okay, so let's talk about guns." I didn't insist on anything. I. I don't have a problem with you insisting on anything. We were texting. You can assert yourself. <laughs> and I thought it was an interesting interesting conversation maybe no one's gonna agree what was the original proposition you said i said if you could pick any 
non-reality-based 80s movie firearm superpower. Because often I think the the questions of like, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? You know, bulletproof, fly, like what? Man, I don't know. Uh, you know, to, to me that's kind of a, what's the point of that conversation? You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. I thought it was really cool in Deadpool 2 how the coolest person in the whole movie had the superpower of luck. And I was like, was like, that's not a superpower. That's super rad, but maybe we'll maybe we'll have that conversation. Most people wouldn't come up with, I want my superpower to be luck. No, for sure. They wouldn't. Much more traditional, right? In the context of 80s movies, I was thinking of what non-realistic firearm You're gonna have to give an wielding example. You have to give an example. would you choose? So I, the first ones that come to mind are the single-armed saw from the hip. I mean, that's right. doable. It is realistic. Now, your counterpoint to that is not realistic. I accept that. All right. Uh, dual Desert Eagle, 50 cal. Realistic. It's not realistic. It is realistic. When you're built like you, you can carry, you could shoot dual wielding. Not accurately. I mean, that's true. Then again, if we look at like Boondock Saints, we've proven that it doesn't matter. Dual wield period is not accurate. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. The, but the it's superpower still realistic. would be... Oh, putting rounds on target while accurate, dual wielding? Yeah, accurate dual wield desert <clears throat> eagle 50 cal. I guess that, Jesse Ventura from Predator. Yeah, yeah. Can, hip, I, can I just hip carry? Hip fire a minigun. Not realistic. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. I'll buy that. I don't know. Maybe this conversation isn't... Uh, maybe we should destroy sacred cows and just talk about how nothing in Hollywood is real. Oh, wait. Everyone knows that. <laughs> John Woo is the greatest documentarian of our time. His movies are realistic and true to fact. They're awesome to watch. If you go against the triad or the Yakuza, you're going to have a bad time. Right. I watched a lot of Hong Kong action movies when I was living with, uh, <laughs> with our Nick. product manager, Nick. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm aware. Uh, I came in. Alan Shabaro told me that the greatest, the greatest kung fu movie of all time was this uh, night comes to all of us or some other is a very drawn out title, but it was about this hitman for a crime syndicate in Asia who suddenly has a change of art and starts killing all his coworkers and gets stabbed maybe 10,000 times in the course of the movie. And I was like, man, I watched it. I was like, this is actually, this is a surprisingly digestible Kung Fu movie. And I came in and said something to Nick about it. And Nick's like, Oh, you mean the raid three? And I'm like, what? No, what do you mean? He's like, you haven't seen the Raid 1 or the Raid 2? I was like, no, I have not. And then I realized that this movie is basically the third version of the same first two movies by the same two guys who get stabbed 10,000 times and beat up, thrown yeah. off buildings. Dude, and Nick's legit. I remember when we were living in Chicago on his birthday, he was like, I want everyone to go to this art house theater to see this movie. He was really excited not only to see the movie, which he thought was going to be really good, but he was excited because Martin Scorsese had just bought the rights to redo the movie. Is Martin Scorsese the one that diddles kids? No, that's Brian Singer. Oh, no. <laughs> well, now we're hitting close to home. I I believe someone else diddled kids. that close to home? Kids. Did Brian Singer diddle you? No, Brian Singer is best friends with one of our friends from L.A., Gotcha. Yeah, no, he was going to have- Best friends? I mean, they were going to work together on a movie. I don't know about best friends. I mean, there's a big gap between those That's two things. That's true. That is true. I'm very close to the Catholic priest- I saw him walking down the street once. taught me how to swim in the basement, but he, we are not best guy. friends. 
<laughs> no, this was I, – I don't know if there's allegations against Martin Scorsese it or not. It wasn't Martin Scorsese. It was another – what was the guy who was uh, – in my head, I think about – you know from The Godfather how there's that whole scene where the movie director is like paying the mother to let him touch the daughter thing? It was that whole thing in Hollywood. It was uh, The Godfather – so part two is in the one. movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was the same guy who they put a horse's head in his bed. Oh yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. I just recall that detail. Make him an offer he couldn't refuse. Yeah, he didn't exactly. No, but I always think of that guy. And there's that one of these Hollywood directors that recently got picked up for uh, not recently. He's he's long been thought to have touched kids, but he's a darling. Everybody loves not him. Brian Singer. It's not. Not Brian Singer. Although it seems as though Brian Singer also has a proclivity for touching underage children. Um, you keep telling the story about this art house, and I'm going to consult the newly approved Google machine. There you go, man. And we're going to find out who this is. We need to bring a laptop in here next time. I prefer to look at it on my phone, but you're right. Probably a laptop would be better. A laptop, maybe even get Nick in here to be doing research while we talk. Uh, that would actually be really good. It would be our, our own Baba Booey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he could well, just chime in. While you're looking it up. Yep, keep going. Maybe this maybe this conversation is dumb. But I think me- every conversation on this podcast officially falls into the silo of dumb. Dumb give me, conversations. Give me uh, give me something. I mean, it could be dual wielding like MP5s. Um, realistic. Not realistic accurately. <laughs> I'm talking uh, about is it, effective is it, is fire. Is it weird that I Googled movie director who touched kids and Michael Bay is the first one to pop up? I don't feel like that's fair. I don't actually think that's, that's <laughs> Woody Allen. He popped up. Um, I don't know why. Oh, John Hughes. He touched kids in a different way. <laughs> he touched their hearts. Right. <laughs> I grew up in Chicago, man. Yeah. I'm, uh, John Hughes. Well, part of the John Hughes fan club. Not actually. But I can't help but feel there was a movie director who had to flee the country. Oh, Roman Polanski. Yeah, there we go. I knew he was a famous movie director. Uh, I mean, I guess he, d- depends did, on your definition of touching kids. Did he, he not touch kids? I mean, he, I think he like raped a 13-year-old or that something. That seems like touching kids. Oh, I think it definitely counts as far as touching kids. This conversation is way better than hypothetical 80s <laughs> machine gun matchups. <laughs> I don't know if he... Aaron says it depends on how you... Literally everything you're saying sounds like he's touching kids. I'm not saying that he's innocent or whatnot, but touching kids seems like... Uh, oh, you mean like, uh, come here, get in my van. There's yeah, candy in here. Like, Okay, fair enough. Yeah. A yeah, little bit... Still, uh, Roman Polanski. Like an ongoing... No, he's been doing it for years. <laughs> no one can prove it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everybody still you likes know. Roman Polanski. What's all with that? I don't know enough about Roman Polanski to say I, I don't even know what movies that he's famous for. Well, I'm going to consult the Google machine again. I here. feel like it's uh... all right. So, so we when <clears throat> when you think of unrealistic '80s guns, I think about like like uh, the laser cannon from a James Bond film or something ridiculous like that. Does that make sense? You're saying stuff that doesn't even exist. Yeah, it doesn't in even real life. exist in real life. Um, no, I'm thinking of stuff that. You could theoretically do now, but not do well. Oh, okay. I mean, <clears throat> the most plausible aspect of television shows like the A-Team was the inability of a Mini-14 to hit anything that it was shot at. So if you own a Mini-14, you should feel bad. Just saying. 
If you own a Mini 14, it's the modern day equivalent of owning an AK-47. I hope that everyone that's listening to this understands the shame they should bear. Do, do people even own that still? Uh, Brent makes the excuse that he owns an AK-47 so that he can practice his manipulation of it and still be good with one he has to pick up off the street in Africa, which I view to be the only rationalization for owning an AK-47. Mm-hmm. I own, the so the first gun I ever made, I made out of a flat-stamped uh, kit ordered off the internet with a cracker box welder in my garage with uh, one of my friends, Kyle Riggin. We built matching ones with a cracker box welder and some vice grips. We bent it along the right lines. We welded it in. We ground nothing down, and we spray-painted them, and they function, which is a tribute to Mr. Kalashnikov, but also probably a good indication of the uh, level of accuracy one could expect from said firearm. Fair enough. Are we looking up Roman Polanski? <clears throat> I am looking up Roman Polanski. I'm also thinking about how of everyone in this office, except for maybe Nick, I have probably the least standing, maybe even more than Nick, I have the least standing to complain or make fun of anyone else's firearms because- That's I've, not true. You own all the nicest guns. No, nah, but I've also purchased some really dumb shit. I think that we should go down the list of all the Wildcat calibers you own. The regrets. No, there's no regrets. We just still haven't made bullets for one of them because I you can't, can't buy bullets. For I have it. the I have the stuff. We just need to actually sit down and make it. Yeah, I mean, it would be easier if we could just buy boxes of ammo. All right, so the Wilson seven six two by forty, totally random caliber, cool gun. Yeah, it's a predecessor but, to three hundred blackout. Uh, it was three hundred blackout. I even think three hundred blackout was around, but not as popular okay. as it was, or as it is now. Back then. That gun's cool. Um, I, you know, ammo's not that much more expensive for it than it is for th- like good three hundred blackout hunting ammo. Fair enough. Um, the four fifty eight hammer. That is. Um, th- that was a dumb purchase. <laughs> I, that gun is not very accurate. Uh, what was when you bought it? What was the motivation for buying it? Um, honestly, I'm gonna bare my soul here. Oh, good. I think that there was a an element of showing up to that hog hunt every year with like yeah I just want to bring something like new and weird yeah so what was the problem with using it at the hog hunt uh there wasn't anything I'm just saying it was it's like what am I gonna really do with that gun kill hogs with it once a year yeah exactly I mean you could do like Bill and bring your granddaddy's thirty out six with a broken mount for a Tasco scope and a broken charging handle. Use vice grips to charge the rifle once and go to town. You know the Bill story with the turkey, right? No, was that this year? No, that was. Oh, uh, well, I think it was the year before. This Brian is Bill came. wandering around in the desert with like a T-shirt wrapped around his head and sixteen empty beers in a bag. No, this is us pulling up to Bill's hunting stand, and he's got <laughs> like a number of rabbits laid out in a row. <laughs> And a and a turkey and a turkey out of season. I'm assuming out of season. Yeah, good for Bill. And the ranch owner is like, looks at Bill incredulously. Hey man, how'd you shoot a turkey <laughs> with a rifle? Bill's, Bill's like, well, he came out onto the road about 150 yards down. We sighted <laughs> him in, and then he started walking towards us. So we started to wait. Once he got to about 70 yards, it was a no brainer. It was super easy. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, man. I don't mean how did you shoot the turkey? How did you shoot a turkey when it's not in season? She's like, well, look at my hunting license. It says turkey right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was one of those moments where we realized, hey, you know what? We got to go back and really clarify. I just appreciate that Bill is is really committed to everything in his life. And like when that when that thirty out six froze up and then was broken, like I I don't want to point fingers, but I'm pretty sure Nick was the one that broke it. Really? Yeah, I think uh, I can't remember. It was either Nick or me. I will at least I will um, at least accept partial ownership of the fact that someone was taking the charging handle and striking it against the table, trying to break the bolt free, and then the charging handle just broke off, and we were. In a quite a bind, we were in a pickle. That was Bill's gun. Yeah. Oh, you're was thinking that, of a different Bill. No, I'm not thinking about Bill Tobino. Oh uh, yeah, I was did, talking about wait, Bill Tobino. Did Bill to? Oh man, now we've set a crime and we've outed the man by his full name. Right. I hope that the Texas game enforcement people find him and punish him. He's definitely going to listen to this, by the way. <laughs> I know he is. <laughs> He's going to be like Douglas. Yeah. I haven't talked to the other Bill in a long time, actually. Really? I hope he's doing all right. I do, too. Yeah. Always in question. Um, <clears throat> yeah, man. Um, so Roman Polanski. When, when Josh gets back. Yeah. Actually, he, he might be literally on his way back as we speak. I think that he would be a perfect person to have come on this. He would be an excellent podcast guest. Instead of me. Like, you should just have Josh on here. Talk about it. Like, I just like when Josh, when you messaged me in the middle of the night and you were like, man. Josh just killed an alligator with, you know, like in the middle of the night. It was, it was like, it was like 11 o'clock at night or something. Like, Josh just killed an alligator. We're going to write a blog post about it. And I was like, well, okay, man. Like, I hope, I hope that that is. He and offered I'm like, to write a blog post yeah, about it. Of course. A, a man will offer many things when he is 27 Coors Lights into an evening. <laughs> so I'm like, well, I uh, hope you have pictures to go along with it. And Josh is like, yeah, man, absolutely. Here they are. And he sent me an email with three. Low resolution photos that appeared like they were snapped on a a flip phone, and like there's a dead alligator, and literally twenty seven crushed cans of Coors Light laying around. And I was like, "Oh, you've been you've been drinking when you killed the alligator." Like, I'm not sure how I sell this as a blog post. The joys of drinking and hunting. Dude, Josh sends us some of the most gangster. Oh no, pictures. Josh is undeniably the most gangster person that is in Softleaf Circle. That says a lot. It yeah. does. There's some real gangsters floating around here. <clears throat> Josh takes a cake every time. Oh, yeah. I feel as though that is because Josh doesn't have the typical boundaries that most of us have. Like, Josh doesn't Josh doesn't maybe. think, is this wrong or right? Should I do this or not? Josh is like, this is a good opportunity. Let's do it. It's. I'm sure, you know. He does have the coolest die living tattoo story. Uh, where did he get it? In Iraq. Yeah, from yeah. some... Some Texas chick that was yeah. just opened Randomly up a tattoo shop in Iraq. Other things we aren't supposed to do while deployed. Right. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, one of the Navy SEALs at my team house, uh, it was, he, essentially our team house became a vacation spot for a bunch of NSW guys on this last trip. And um, we, we also were co-located with a bunch of Anzacs, which are Australian New Zealand Army Corps. Um, I believe it's the Army Corps armed core, whatever it is. Either way, there's a bunch of guys that talk like this. <laughs> and they say, hey, mate, let's come over and we'll, uh, we'll have some brews, you know? Hey, it's good times, right? And You have a good New Zealand accent. It's it's more of an Australian accent, so I'm told. 
<laughs> I don't know. Either right. way, I like the fact that a couple of these um, Maori guys that I'm hanging out with convinced. So one of the best guys, one of the one of the greatest NSW dudes I've ever met was <laughs> part of this team. Love him. Uh, he was just there hanging out, and he'd like talking to the Australians and New Zealanders. He's like, ah, my parents lived in New Zealand briefly. Right before I was born. In fact, I may have been conceived in New Zealand. And all the, the Kiwis are like, oh, I, my, you're basically a Kiwi. Yeah, you should get a New Zealand tattoo, mate. And so, like, one of the other NSW guys that's there has a tattoo gun. I'm like, oh, this is super cool. We should get a tattoo. Well, this guy, I'm like, you like to draw and shit, right, bro? Nope. Well, what made you get a tattoo gun? Just thought it'd be cool. <laughs> so do you, do you paint? Do you do any other form of art? Have you ever done any kind of art? I've never drawn anything. I've never. And I'm like, well, I don't think I want to get a tattoo from you. Right. Um, he actually did a pretty good trace tattoo that a guy like drew on his leg. Very basic. But in the instance of the New Zealand evening, uh, apparently under some level of, of uh, cheerful coercion, because like New Zealanders never have a bad attitude. It's just always cheerful. Ah, oh, you, you shit cunt. Like, they're like, pleasure. They're, they're, they say things that are mean, but they don't mean it. And they're like, oh, you're basically New Zealander. Get yourself a silver fern tattoo, mate. And, uh, like, so this seal's like, yeah, I am basically, I'm basically New Zealander. <laughs> you so are right. He got a silver fern outline tattoo on the back of his tricep that was almost entirely as large as the back of his arm and i might add was very poorly traced wow uh, it was clearly a silver fern i give him that but i am assuming he invested some money in a silver fern cover-up when he got home or at least a more clear delineation of a silver fern no regrets Doug. no no regrets whatsoever in fact i was i was so impressed by the story that went with it i was like man i don't even know if i could get a cover-up on that because it is Literally one of the greatest tattoos ever. Do you have any tattoos you regret? No. None? None. Um, I mean, I'm still at the point where it's kind of like with the wall art here in the office where the people that we're having do the mural are artists, and I don't feel authorized to tell them what to do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, man, whatever you want to do. And Brian's like, it has to look this way. And that is why Brian has no tattoos and I have a lot of tattoos because when I go in, I'm like, I would like a grayscale Lady of Zaragoza charging a can, like charging a cannon with uh, some like burning buildings in the background. And the tattoo artist who I got is like, I don't feel like doing that. And I'm like, uh, well, what do you feel like doing? I really am into, I'm on an American traditional kick right now. I don't have any color on my body, but guess what? my entire left sleeve is American traditional now <laughs> because I was like, sure, whatever you want to do. Like, who am I to tell an artist how to do their business? If the artist is good enough. Absolutely. I mean, it, we should probably backpedal on that. My, is that orange vanilla Coke? It is zesty blood orange diet Coke. Mm, I just read something that they're coming out with orange vanilla flavor. Really? I bet you're going to love that. Maybe. I, I, I like. I don't the, like. I'm not a big soda guy. I like the ginger flavored diet coke that you can get from the super fancy robot coke dispensers, hmm. where it's like every flavor of every coke product ever, and you have to mix and match. Those are delicious. Gotcha. So, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, no, no. My uh, my right sleeve was done by a guy who was on Ink Masters like three years ago, but he is not on Ink Masters when I had the tattoo done. He was. Um, 
he was living in a trailer outside of El Paso and I just happened to have had like three drinks too many at a bar called the Palomino in downtown El Paso. I like that name. And I was talking to a girl there who had a really nice chest piece and was like, Hey, where'd you get that done? I really wanted to get my right sleeve done. You know, I was thinking this, like I was going to do some like, uh, you know, Renaissance art and, you know, she's like, well, that guy did it and pointed at this other dude in the bar. And I like walked up to him and like, hey, what's up, man? And then I gave him a hundred dollars that I had in my pocket and was like, this is a down payment on my right sleeve. And he's like, cool, here's my number. And I'm like, meet me at this trailer. No, after the bar closes. I didn't get like that. It was it was like, actually, he offered to give me his number. And like an idiot, I was like, no, 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 man, here's mine. Text me tomorrow. <laughs> I woke up the next morning. I was like, well, I just gave that guy a hundred bucks, right? Like <laughs> that wasn't real. And, um, you've had actually, that, you've had that moment with strippers before. I guess. Oh, well, anyway, I mean, I knew that was happening. <laughs> no, just give me your number. Yeah. yeah no, no, no. I'll no, call no. you tomorrow. I know better. <laughs> that's uh, a, all I have is a pager. That's not, I just have a pager moment. I could picture a skinny young Doug with a pager. Uh, I had one for sure. I believe it. I had an alphanumeric one where I could send, I could, I received text messages, you know, yeah. like, I've, I can see that. <laughs> 110 pound Doug Keyswetter. Oh, uh, maybe more like 90 pound Doug. Yeah. Right. It was real small. Yeah. Either way, this was this was not little. This was pre deployment 2011, Doug. Now I should have known better than all these things, right? All I know is I get a text from an unknown number the next day and it's like, yo, come to this address if you want to get a tattoo. And I was like, sure. So, like, I go to that address thinking that it's going to be a tattoo parlor. It is not a tattoo parlor. It is a trailer home. And sparkling we, clean, I assume. I dude, sanitary to the max. No matter how you cut it. Um, dude goes, What do you want? And I was like, I want this Guido Guido Rennie painting. I want a Saint Michael stepping on the devil and uh uh let's you know, let's do this. You're gonna use a transfer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am. Like, okay, cool. So, like, dude literally goes like a home printer. He like prints out a, a, a drawing. Like, he found a picture on the internet of his Guino Renning painting, printed it out, stuck it on the wall, used a purple Sharpie marker to like sketch the bare bones of where the bot. He's like, hey, you like how that looks? I'm like, it looks like a <laughs> stick figure on my arm. And he's like, yep, yep, all right. So then he literally started at my wrist and like, one centimeter at a time. Let me see this thing. Yeah, it's it, uh, many years of, oh man, this is, uh, got to pull up my sleeve here. Oh, oh yeah. All yeah. right. I know that tattoo. Yeah. He did that whole thing and the shooting. Totally free hands, all from the wrist up. No shit. And the best part is I took a picture while he was doing it and sent it to Kim and she was like, the fuck are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm at a trailer getting a tattoo from this dude who's apparently freehanding the whole thing from my wrist up. <laughs> and, <laughs> Dude, it was like 15 minutes before she texted me. She's like, no, seriously, what are you doing? And I was like, this? And she's like, you're fucking crazy. I was like, well, I mean, I gave him 100 bucks, right? So he did probably 70, like 60 or 70% of it before before I deployed mm -hmm. in two like 11-hour sessions. And I got on Damn. a plane and flew to Iraq like the third day. I've never been able to sit that long before I start bleeding so much that uh, we got to stop. Grayscale is chill for me. I don't have a problem with grayscale. Almost, well, almost everything I have is grayscale. Color fucks me up. They, I don't know why, but like they just drive the color in so hard that like I can't. I can sit for like three or four hours. Yeah, I mean, it, once you go past half an hour, I feel like I get just kind of numb to it. But 
from like after four hours, I just start bleeding, bleeding. so much that yeah. they're like, man, it's not worth doing this anymore. All the ink's going to bleed out anyway. Well, this dude had a never, he was a goonie. He had a never say die attitude. And, um, I came back from the trip and, um, he finished it up for me in a much nicer house that um, he was currently living in with some uh, some other guy. Caught a cool. rising star, man. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, uh, he was actually on the phone in between tattoo breaks trying to figure out how to finance. A, he was he was applying for a credit card so he could open his own tattoo shop. And nice. I was feeling very deployment rich. And I was like, nah, man, how much did you want for this tattoo? And then he like he told me and I just gave him a couple grand extra and was like, don't get a credit card. That's stupid. I was like... Good luck. That's my tip. And uh, wow, yeah, yeah, no, dude. Uh, he opened up his own place, and then he was on Ink Masters, and you know he's done pretty well. He's, you got some karma coming back to you, man. Oh, dude, that's not true. I just try to make up for all the bad shit I've done. Right. <laughs> still, still running a deficit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, always, man. I'm always in a deficit. Uh, uh, but yeah, I. Uh, how did we get on the topic of tattoos? I don't know, but bad I did. decisions made while drinking, courtesy of Josh. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, the the die living tattoo. Yeah, the die living tattoo. So, um, I did look up Roman Polanski and Rosemary's daughter, Rosemary's baby. Yeah, Rosemary's baby. That which I remember watching in a film class in college, and eh. I don't know. I guess maybe it's one of those things that at the time it was amazing, but uh, I, don't, I don't know if I believe that. Like, I didn't think it was that have good. You watched However, Citizen Kane. I like Citizen Kane. We all like Citizen Kane because we're obligated to because we are told it is an epic of American filmmaking. But sure. really, is Citizen Kane that good? I think it's pretty good. But I know Brian's made fun of me for liking Casablanca as much as I do. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, really like Humphrey Bogart, man. I think he's he could have been a cool James Bond. He's a young Johnny Cash. Yeah, I mean, it's just like a... He's like a tough guy, but but pretty smooth. You know, I mean, he's, he kind of like checks all the boxes. Don't call my name out your window as I'm leaving. That yeah. kind of guy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. Um, he also, though, Roman Polanski did Chinatown, which is a fucking awesome movie. Um, indeed. He did Oliver Twist. I grew up on that one. Please, uh, may I have some In more? Fact, I thought, uh, I was looking through this filmography here. and He back, did Pirates. Isn't that the porno? I'm not familiar with that one. He did back in the USSR, which I had to look at. I thought it was this super cheesy 80s or maybe 90s movie. Tell me if you've seen this one. There's a Russian spy that is tasked with going to the United States to capture, basically rendition two U.S. like rock and roll people to bring them back to this, this town that they've built in Russia where they raise spies or like train spies. So it's the nineties. They go, this guy goes, he gets these two kind of like failing rock and roll musicians, drugs them. And they wake up in this like 1950s ish town that's in Russia, but they don't know it. And they're like, everything seems weird and off. Well, they're like living in the fifties, right? You know, like everyone's driving fifties cars and like the culture's all fifties. And then it becomes this like feel good story about how, you know, they they bring everyone into the modern world and show them the the evils of communism and you know blah blah blah. They teach everyone how to rock. This and sounds roll like and, the kind of movie that a Polish man would make. I don't think this is the same one though. Now I'm really curious as to what this movie is. Guess who Roman Polanski was married to? Who's that? Sharon Tate. 
No kidding. Yeah. That was one of the that was one of the chicks that was uh wasn't she killed in the uh the whole swastika on the forehead Charles Manson thing? Oh yeah. Well the, and that was the whole thing. He was tied up with that shit, I know for sure. He was tied into it? I'm pretty sure he was. Really? Huh. I'm I'm trying to Google this Soviet rock and roll spy movie. <laughs> I mean the I feel movie, like this isn't gonna come up. The movie sounds like some really solid 90s anti-USSR propaganda. I'm going to have to figure this out for next time. <laughs> so um, we things we haven't talked about at all. We're 30 minutes in. We have talked about a variety of things. We have not talked about what you originally wanted to talk about, which is... We don't have to talk about that. I don't I mean, mind talking about do, it. Are you interested in it at all? I mean, I'm interested in anything podcast, we talk man. about. Literally, the only reason I'm here is because I have thoughts on everything. The only reason there's a bottom of the barrel at all is because you can't pick a subject that I won't have an opinion on, even if it's totally unfounded. Well, here's what I would say. Why don't we have people should post in the Toffley team room questions or topics that they want to have covered or email help at Toffley.com so that our wonderful customer service team can be annoyed by this podcast, whether they listen to it or not. You should put attention, Ashley, on every email <laughs> pertaining <laughs> to this podcast. Please don't do that. <laughs> no, please do. Please. I hope she listens to this. <laughs> You're not going to make friends, Doug. I love Ashley. I just want her to get the attention she deserves. All right. Well, I'll give you two options, then we can talk about right now. We can finish up this superpower gun-wielding idea. <laughs> But you don't seem to like that much. Well, I just feel like um, the only reason that I joined the army and became special forces was to actually do all of the things. That's what I'm saying. So what would be, think back to a deployment. Yes, yes. Okay. What would have been the coolest thing that you could have done? Um, popped out of a convertible with a quad pack rocket launcher, firing the first one the wrong direction and then turning it around and taking out an armored car. There you go. Yeah. All right. Commando. Great movie, man. It was a great movie. Yeah. All right. Oopsie. <laughs> Turn it around. Fair enough. Well, there you go. Well, and then what's the other option? Well, the other option was to go back and finish this discussion about Die Hard 3. Oh, God. The greatest of the Die Hard series. Listen, okay. <laughs> I'm going to preface this by saying Die Hard 1 was the... Movie that started the genre of like the semi average guy, you know, like a little bit of training. I wouldn't even put Taken in that same thing because Taken, he's like this, you he's know, a green beret. badass yeah. special operations <laughs> guy, right? Um, but kind of like Taken, where he's like, you know, he's like older, he's out of his element. But it started the genre of a non, like, let's go back to Commando for example. Commando was super jacked Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's you know, just a he's just a regular guy. No, it wasn't a regular guy. <laughs> you know, he was like leader of some super covert, you know, beyond tier I, whatever. I'm just doing regular things. Yeah, Becoming just, governor just of California. Chopping wood in the mountains with my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Which sounds super creepy. Uh but oh, die hard. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Don't avoid the fact that you just listed a very mundane thing that you then said was creepy. What's I'm creepy about, about chopping fact- wood with your daughter in the woods? No, I think like this dude 
just lives in the middle of nowhere in the mountains yep. with his teenage daughter. Yep. He's trying to escape the fast lane, man. He's trying to raise her right, trying to keep her from being tarnished by all the sin of the 80s. I don't know, man. I mean, I think no more permanence for you. We are going to chop wood. Maybe, good maybe it says children. something about me being fucked up, but I feel like that whole setup is kind of a little weird. Maybe we've just talked about Roman Polanski too much. Maybe. So <laughs> back to Die Hard. That began the genre of regular guy action movie. I think it is worth noting that you are correct and that I am young enough that I was not I was not watching films when Die Hard 1 came out. I mean, I was. What do you mean you weren't watching films? So I, coming, coming from a very evangelical background, right. I was not allowed to watch such films. But when I, was, when, I was, um, when I was presenting discipline problems to my parents my sophomore year in high school and was sent to Zimbabwe mm-hmm. to live for a year, uh, one of the greatest. How did they choose Zimbabwe, man? Uh, so my parents are friends with a with people who started a private Christian school in Zimbabwe for Zimbabweans. It's not like it's like it has a boarding school option, but it's just for kids who live a long way away from Gweru, which is the town it was in. And I visited there with my dad when I was nine, and I'd always said I wanted to go back. And I think when my parents were at a total loss about how to raise Firestarter me, they were like. Well, we can send him to Africa. And I was like, shit, yes, I'm all about that. So one of the things that I did to pass the time on weekends when I was not in school long hours was rent movies at the local video store. And I believe I was there when Die Hard 3 came out and it was a huge thing. We watched it in the theater on a double feature with I don't remember what the other movie was, but um, I... I really liked Die Hard 3, which then had me watch Die Hard 2 and Die Hard 1, but they never lived up to the hype. There's no Samuel L. Jackson in Die Hard 1 or 2. Hmm. Just saying. So maybe my personal bias <coughs> Jeremy plays Irons in. Jeremy Irons in Die Hard 3, right? Is he the main bad yes, guy? Yes, he is. Also, I just found this movie that I was thinking of before. Can I interject here for yeah, a second? Yeah, no, go ahead. The Experts, made in 1989, starring John Travolta. That's the one that you were talking about, about the communist rendering, conditioning? I'm pretty sure this is it. And if this was, this would have been right before the John Travolta Pulp Fiction comeback. Really? Which would have been 93, maybe, 94. A long time before the John Travolta dressed up like your mother in Hairspray comeback? You want to know how much money it made at the box office? How much? 169000 was that a, I mean, I don't. Dude, this is 89. I mean, yeah, I don't know. That that, far ago. Is that a lot? Dude, that is a long time ago. We've just, we just discussed that there has been like 50% inflation since the late 90s. Okay, but even so. A $2 billion submarine is now worth $3 billion from 98 until now. Even if you add 50% to 169,000. Yeah, it's not very much right. Right? It's true. I mean, it's like 85,000. And I mean, I wonder how much it costs to make. Three million. Holy shit. Yeah, I guarantee Three they, million dollars in today money? They didn't money? make it up in blockbuster <laughs> rentals, that's for sure. So, I think... Uh, I feel like we need to watch this now. We're going to have to watch the trailer, for sure. I, I bet Nick's seen it. Nick's and he's? Yeah. He's seen every movie. I know, I know. He's like that guy. Remember those commercials where it's like, do you have this movie? I have every movie that's ever been made <laughs> in every country in the world. I feel like that's, Nick is Nick missed his calling by not starting a website called MrSkin.com. Mr. Skin? Do you not remember that? 
No. That was the site that col- that that cataloged every nude scene <laughs> on <laughs> film ever. Like, like any, fast forward. Yeah, literally any any celebrity <clears throat> you can think of who did a nude scene coming up, Mr. Skin knew what it was. Yeah. That's I don't know. The age of internet porn has killed the need for that. I agreed. I literally there is no argument against that. All right, so back to Die Hard Three. Yes. Is your argument predicated only on Samuel L. Jackson? I believe the plot line is better. I believe it's more compelling. I think that the bad guys are more nefarious. The crime itself is of a grander scale. Like, fuck hijacking Nakatomi Towers for whatever random bullshit they wanted. They only had like seven fucking dudes. Random bullshit. It was like $800 million. Yeah, they robbed the goddamn Federal Reserve Bank of all the gold. That's all right. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, this is big. Part of my problem with these movies is like, this shit happens to you once, bad day, man. Bad coincidence, bad day, right? It's like Taken. Taken 2, come on, man. Like, how badass of a fucking Green Beret are you if your kid gets kidnapped not just one time, but like three or four times? Your kid keeps getting kidnapped. Your wife gets kidnapped. So for the record, you're ignoring the most important nuance of that storyline, which is that on the other side of the coin of a father whose child is stolen from him and is wronged are all the families of the criminals who were murdered by him in the process of getting his daughter back. And they all want revenge. And they're all hard. And they've been to prison. And they don't give a fuck about going back. (laughs) You didn't read that article yet, did you? The mm-hmm. Run the Jewels interview? I didn't. You got to read it, man. God damn it. Okay. All right. Because in it, I don't think it's Killer Mike. I think it's LP. Talks about writing a short fan fiction biopic about an Asian dude that Steven Seagal beats up and cripples permanently <laughs> in a bar. <laughs> And how this guy was just like a hired hand, like he was like, try, you know, he had a sick kid or something that he was like. Just trying to make it, man. Trying to pay for And yep. one day, Steven Seagal comes in that and fucking asshole. puts a, a pool cue in a sock or something and fucking puts him in a fucking ventilator for life. <laughs> and what about that guy's kids? It's true, man. What about him? See? Yeah. We all, we're, we're quick to be like, what? Taking two and three? No, people are upset, man. They want revenge. Well, I don't know. You you know what? You're kind of selling me a, like you're not selling me on it, but I'm having a really hard time articulating why you think Die Hard 3 why sucks. Why I think Die Hard 3 sucks so bad. I, might I mean, have Die to Hard 4, I uh, honestly I'm not even going to argue with you on that. Sheila Booth, that's all I need to say. I might have to go back and I feel like and watch the Die same Hard reasons 3. I defended Indiana Jones 4 are the same reasons it sucked compared to Die Hard 4. I mean, I'm also generally a Bruce Willis fan. Wasn't Sheila Booth in Die Hard 4? Or was it some other douche? I don't know. He was in Wall Street 2. Yep, I know. He was also in that Eagle Eye movie, which oh, that movie is sucked. easily confused with Die Hard 4. Um, you know what? Die Hard 4. Speaking of comebacks, it really got me excited. Watching True Detective Season 3, I knew I recognized Stephen Dorff. Oh, yeah. I just knew it. And he was great in Blade. Dude, exactly. Kim was like, she was like, why are you fixating on this guy? I was like, yeah, his name's Steven something or other. I, I swear to God. I saw uh, him in Blade. Here. And she's like, who is it? I'm like, Stephen Dorff. He was in Blade. He was awesome. Timothy Oliphant was in Die Hard 4. Yeah, he was the bad guy. 
Yeah. And Justin Long. I don't see. Oh, him. Justin Long. Easily confused with uh, Sheila Booth. It's a little bit nerdier. Uh, yeah. I mean, Maybe Sheila Booth is pretty nerdy, too. Maybe less crazy. But uh, doubtful. I don't know. I was also very, very sad. Um, I was talking with my wife the other day about. Um, I don't even remember. Some we were we were watching some Disney movie that had, you know, I don't even know if it was Hillary Duff or some other person. I was like, whatever happened to that person? And um, I was like, oh, she went crazier than Lindsay Lohan and never bounced back. No, it wasn't. It was. Um, I'm not going to remember who this person was now. Some teen. It was yeah, it was a teen celebrity, but she's been in a bunch of stuff. And I was like, oh, whatever happened to her? And I was like, oh, she went crazy. I was like, God, what? Why? All that money and opportunity just wasted. I could see you working for TMZ. Me? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Using your green bray skills to get like first drop on a juicy story. Oh, dude. I mean, that's the best part. <laughs> I feel like we're about to. This is where our paths cross. When you told me the story about traders who like had relationships with people that had tons of money and they basically became party animals and total liabilities on the floor, <laughs> but they were still paid their salary just to maintain relationships. That guy wasn't on the floor, but yeah, he, I mean, he worked for a brokerage. Yeah. It, like so, a institutional brokerage. Okay. But uh, he sucked at his job, but he was good at building relationships. So he did a lot of blow on the company's dime, right? Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. I feel like, like I could be that yeah, guy. I could be that guy. I <laughs> I would guess that that job in the light of financial regulation doesn't does, exist does anymore. Not exist anymore. <laughs> hey, we just keep this guy on. Uh, he hasn't made a trade in 4 years, but he has a very healthy expense account. Well, I think this comes back to probably I mean this is right in the Greenbury wheelhouse. You know, how do you keep a relationship strong? Where the other person feels in the relationship valued. not only feels valued, but is, uh, I would say, ethically compromised, right? Oh, yeah, you got to get their hands dirty, man. So it's like you, you know that you need, you need this guy for something. He's a total douchebag. You have to act a little dirty to keep the relationship going, right? Hypothetically, so, if one was going to build a relationship with a high-ranking Iraqi officer— Hypothetically, of course. Hypothetically. And the the only thing that these guys ever want to do is to acquire new vehicles. The number one ticket is to go take a vehicle you already own and put it on a lonely street corner in downtown Mosul and then act like you're stealing it with him so that, <laughs> so that he thinks he's got you got your hands dirty. It's like uh hypothetically you could probably pull that off several times <laughs> without actually breaking any laws. And make the guy think that, you know, you're just as dirty as he is. But that's great because you're not actually doing anything. Nope. Not even doing anything. It's, it's basically you're you're gifting the guy a car, you know, like, hey, man, let's go steal this car. I saw it when I was driving down Main Street the other day. It looks pretty rad. I think they leave the keys in it. What if that guy was like, hey, let's pay homeless dudes to get weird tattoos? Um, <laughs> first of all, Arabs don't believe in, in <laughs> tattooing, but also that... That story makes me laugh, and it is very exploitative. How bad did you feel when that happened? Uh, <laughs> I mean, after I'm, you got done laughing, of course. I. It's just. It's so. It's just fucked up, man. What years? What? What, what year was that? This was a long time ago. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to pin anything on you. I'm more specifically asking, like, what year was it? This was, uh, and I was not. 
in person. You don't have there to condition this. This is fine. Huh? <laughs> you don't have to condition this. Hypothetically, this was, this was Aaron, probably in 2002, 2003. So right in um, the right in the bum fights wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. So it's totally acceptable, man. Culture made that guy do that. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just thought no, it was man. cool. I feel like that was real life American psycho. He's, he's like shit. a regular Kimbo slice, you know, just wandering around looking to start a fight with some dude who's a bouncer. No. Kimbo slice story. Pretty interesting. He is not as tall as you would think he was being. He looks short. But he is a big son of a bitch. Yeah, he's like a Mike Tyson build. Guy. I was in the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, and he mm-hmm. and his whole hype crew were there wandering yeah. around, and they were basically acting like Conor McGregor before fight night, like while walking through the airport. I was like, it's like what's going on? Is so, this, are they rappers? And then I saw him, and I was like, oh, shit, it's Gambo Slice. All his friends are bigger than him. That dude... Didn't perform that well in professional fighting. No. But he, he lost every fight, didn't he? What always surprised me was why the fuck were dudes willing to fight that guy on YouTube videos? Dude, there had to be a money like, pot in it. Like, that's how it is, right? Like, if you, you're you like, yeah, man, this little short dude, like, we'll give you 500 bucks if you fight him. And you can tell most of the time oh, guys were like. That's like that movie that's coming out that Worth was just talking about. Oh, Donnybrook? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, dude, that actually. Did you look at the trailer for that? The trailer looks That looks rad, freaking awesome. I want to see Alita Battle Angel. Me too. I, I really hope it doesn't suck. It's like embarrassing confession. When yeah. I saw the trailer for that at a movie that I took Scout to, I was like, mm-hmm. Scout, you want to see that? And she was like, yes. And I almost took her this weekend. I was like, ah, oh, that's probably an example of poor parenting. Uh, I know my wife would definitely <laughs> not be cool <laughs> with me taking my kids there. Kim but. hates the movies so much that like essentially – I get a free pass, like, oh, I'm going to take the kids to go see this movie. Uh, Scout definitely saw John Wick and John Wick 2 with me. She <laughs> still thinks that all of the bad guys that were killed deserved it because they killed his dog. There you go. See? Yeah. Message is strong. I think that's fair. Yep. I think there's a, a TV show coming out about the hotel, the Intercontinental. or the oh. con- Intercontinental? I think it's the Intercontinental. Or the Continental. I can't remember. I think it's the Intercontinental. Yeah. But Either that's way. coming out. And supposedly they're working on a John Wick 3. I would like to take the last 10 minutes of this show to discuss the fact that we're going to get new neighbors here in the office. Maybe. Potentially a dog kennel that was billed to us as a dog kennel that was... Yeah, it was billed to us not as a dog kennel. It was billed to us... A dog training. It's like a luxury dog daycare like boarding spa facility. Which was... Especially cool because initially I thought Hope Solo was the owner. Right. It was because like, they goes, this Olympic that's gold what, medal. That's winning. what made it sound so interesting. Hey, there's an Olympic soccer player who's opening this like luxury dog facility potentially in in the complex. Yeah, and, and first of all, my immediate thought is, oh God, it's just barking dogs all day long. Right? Well, which is way better. Yeah. So one, I wouldn't want that next to us. I was I was as concerned about having barking dogs next to us when they were talking about putting like the military dog training guys up top. Yep. I was like, man, I'm just I'm ready for the the fucking jeep jeeps with the Molon Lab. Molon you know. Lab. Molon Libia. Yeah. You know. The tire I have covers. that tattoo. I would say I regret it, but I don't because I got it before 300 came out. Moving forward. A quick Google search determined that there was not an Olympic gold medal soccer player in charge of said kennel 
And it said Kennel was actually owned by a woman who is conveniently related to a man who's been in prison multiple times for running pit bull farms specifically for fighting. Man, his website didn't even try to hide <laughs> didn't, it. No, he didn't even I, try to hide it. It literally was like the lineage of all these dogs with like really poorly written like, uh, well, Frank White was one of the dog's names, right? Yeah. Frank White, he's shooting smoke, <laughs> but every once in a while we're lucky enough to get a litter of puppies from him. Keep your eyes open. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Is their, going on their sister kennel operation down in Mexico. Yeah, no, there was a there was a Just fully the fully ready 2.2 acre pit bull breeding facility for sale in Coalia, Mexico, and I was like, "What? Yeah, are you?" It's where you got to go keep your operation alive after you've been busted a few times. Well, dude, it just made me laugh because it was such a well-polished front here in the United States. So um, Aaron is against it, but apparently uh, I'm going to be writing a die-living expose on dogfighting. No, man. (laughs) Don't don't expect me to be negative. I think it is a very positive. I couldn't believe that shit this morning. (laughs) Well, you know. I read this book, man, and the book basically said that, like, in the U.S., obviously, our perception of dogfighting is negative. You but sound like, like a fucking pimp that's trying to defend. <laughs> man, Human trafficking man, is hoes, not as bad as you think hoes, it is. These they just live to hoe, man. man. <laughs> Look, barbiturates and poor decisions they, be make doing everything this, happen. They'd be doing this whether I was here or not. <laughs> I'm just saying that those pit bulls. I'm helping to keep them safe. Hey, look, pit bull people who are listening to this are already up in arms. They are. They're like, they're like, Doug is the next Michael Vick. Dude, we got a pit bull in the room as we're recording this. That is a pig that has a short haircut. (laughs) (laughs) She was grunting earlier when I was rubbing her belly. She is a pig. (laughs) And I would also like to point out that the pit bulls that get into fights are like 35 pounds and very aggressive. Have you ever seen Georgia run and get tired? And then just kind of like fall over and lay down? She can make it about 250 feet before she like... Right, you know, so for a breather. the only people in America worse than vegans and anti-vaxxers are pit bull people. No, dude, they are the lard, the loudest apologists. They're really nice dogs. They're it, perfect. I think it used to be that way. They still are. Talk no. to pit people. I'm a pit person. I know you are. And listen, you're very upset about the dog fighting thing. <laughs> I am, but I, I don't <laughs> think that I'm going around telling people how awesome pit bulls are. That's true. You just have owned one consistently for. 30 years. Vegan, CrossFit, <laughs> and then there's a number of slots before you get to Pitbull. The seventh layer of hell is, <laughs> I was merely expressing that there was another side to, of the coin in the dogfighting world, and the more we looked at that guy's website, the less that I, I was like, well, pretty sure this guy does not exemplify the other side of that coin. Nah, man, you know that guy's a turd. I mean, I don't know that for certain, but- Based on his website, I have very strong indications. Be ninety nine. It's a really shady operation. There's like four dogs. Three of them looked like I'm like, man, that's the kind of dog I would if I was going to get into dog fighting. Those are some good looking dogs. And the fourth one looked just sad. And I was like, why do you pick a sad dog as one of your champion <laughs> dog pictures? Like, you know, like that's not the picture I'd want. They all look pretty sad to me. They were champions, bro. Do you look at Do you look at a, a Brazilian? Like a straight up Valetudo fighter with big, you know, fucked up ears and think to yourself, oh man, that guy looks sad inside. No, he looks like a man who has beaten the life out of other humans. Yeah, but in his eyes, he probably doesn't look sad. No, in his eyes, he might look sad, actually. Because, you know, it's a compensation. if If he looks sad in his eyes, I would say he looks sad. Would you tell him that? 
I don't speak Portuguese, so <laughs> maybe I could use like some kind of Google Translate. Man, I was hanging out. I was hanging out with all these Spartan warriors, and they just looked sad. <laughs> Said no person ever. Did you see how many scars that guy had? Holy shit, he must have killed a lot of people. <laughs> you know, they tried to leave babies on the side of a mountains. What a what an admirable culture. But you know what? We don't tolerate. I haven't hung out with a lot of we people don't like tolerate that. dogs fighting each other. It's uncalled for. I mean, listen, man, I'm not saying that dogfighting is the worst atrocity out there. There's I mean, a lot. it is pretty bad, I think, in some aspects. It's bad. There's a lot of... Uh, listen, when I was when I lived in Chicago and I was actually... This was an, an eye-opening experience for me was we were, uh, I was involved with a, like a dog rescue organization and we were really trying to work with the police to, you know... How can we get people to like report dog fighting more, et cetera, et cetera? Um, report it more to the police. Yeah, yeah. And good I luck went, with that. I went with a police officer to like a community, you know, a community meeting on, uh, you know, not like a not super super dangerous neighborhood, but like a not a great neighborhood on the south side. And I realized so quickly, that like, man, these people have. I mean, talk about you know, stereotypical white privilege. Like, I'm like, why wouldn't you just call the cops? I was like, fuck, man, these people got a lot bigger problems to deal with. Bro, um, I just love that, like, I lived in New Orleans for a while growing up, mm -hmm. and I remember my dad was part of, like, an inner-city ministry <clears throat> in Desire Housing Projects, and I remember as a kid going down there to just, you know, like, to hang out or do stuff with them, and there's these giant signs on the side of Desire Street Projects that would be like, no dog fighting, call this number, you know, like, huge signs, like, man, yeah. what do they mean fighting dogs? And then there's, like, literally circles of people standing around fighting dogs <laughs> underneath the sign, and you're like, you're like, I'm sure at the time, I was like, why don't you just call the cops? Cops don't go in there, man. Law no, don't, law well, don't do around here. Is it, the cops, you know, rightfully so, or... Dude, you know, dogfighting, very low on my priority list if I'm dealing with, you know, a whole bunch of shit. That like I human trafficking, right. Hamsterdam, you know, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. So I get it, man. I get it. But it doesn't mean that I want a dogfighting I also think that dog Next to where we operate our business. <laughs> no, for sure. Also, I think that dogfighting in America, because it's illegal and not like it's not, there's no culture around it at all. Mm -hmm. It's like what we talked about like, in the conversation in the office. It digressed in the conversation about like you know, bullfighting and other aspects and how culturally from country to country they vary. But um, dogfighting in other countries, like the dogs aren't viewed as an, a disposable commodity like in America where it's like, I raised this dog, the dog didn't win a fight, it lost me money, I'm going to kill it and just like leave it in the street. Like in a lot of other places, the pet, like the lineage is important. Like it is a violent sport, but the dogs aren't dying. Like Dude, the dogs are- All that shit, uh, you know, when they outlawed horse meat, yeah. A number of years ago. Yep. It's one of those things. It's like. It is. It is definitely had all, an effect on horses. Like horses live yeah, a worse life. Way worse. First of all, what's the fucking difference between a cow and a horse? Bas mm. Basically fucking nothing. <laughs> like, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. but, but it's illegal to sell horse meat. Yeah, but my point is, is that you feel super bad. You wasn't not, the I intent mean, of the that proverbial also, you wasn't the intent also to raise the price like the value of horses was supposed to be more than just meat. Well, so for some horses, of course, that's the case. But, but I mean, by outlawing the sale of horse meat, what was the purpose? I don't know. 
I think it was people were upset that horses were going to slaughterhouses. You know, it's like why would why would we kill horses? They're these they're beautiful, beautiful graceful animals that we I keep don't as pets. Dear baby, yeah. I mean, what ends up happening is exactly what you were saying. Those horse, you know, if you if you get yourself into a financial jam and you own a horse, you can't feed it. And you can't feed it, and you can't take it to the slaughterhouse. Starves you, to death. You don't you don't just take it down to the shelter. Hey man, here's a horse for you guys. Yeah, those horses end up fucking starving. Yep. You know, getting sick and not being treated. I mean, you know, they they end up dying horrible, horrible deaths because of it. Um, I don't know how we get on the fucking conversation. About Dog it. fighting. I was like, hey, you know what? I was like, I want to. I really want to talk about the Pitbull website. <laughs> I was like, man, I really want to talk about this Pitbull website. And uh, it took us to an hour, man. Like I, you see. All we got to do is find something that we're heated about. I don't think this episode is was as uh, enlightening as the first one. Oh, I think I'm going to get all kinds of hate mail for being uh, a half-hearted advocate of dogfighting. This morning you were almost a full advocate. I was not. I was just saying that it wasn't universally negative. Dude, you were basically setting up a box ring in the <laughs> office. <laughs> basically setting up a box ring. Like, I, I was, I, I was, dude, I was, I, I'm I got, Georgia I got this roll of carpet right out of my truck. <laughs> yeah. It's totally cool. We'll cart them <laughs> off and they're done. <laughs> I'm going to bring but, Ophelia in. I'm going to pet, I'm going to put her against Georgia. No, nah, man. Ophelia is a. Georgia's pretty sweet. Ophelia is a 15 pound. Terrier mix, and she's vicious. George is not aggressive. I, I I understand that. I'm saying I'm gonna I'm gonna take her down with right. my, with my terrier, <laughs> just my pocket dog. Latch on her, <laughs> yeah. her big mama nibbles. Oh God, I Ophelia would do that. She nurses a, a stuffed frog. I think that's the reason we were able to adopt such a cool dog, man. The nibbles. Yeah, it's because no one wanted a dog that had udders hanging down. <sighs> man, I am biased. There have been several decent. I know you don't like it either. Yeah. But Georgia, I love. I just shouldn't bother me. Right. Her well, now that you've gotten her saggy nibbles don't bother me. Now that you've gotten to know her, yeah, no, she's great. That shit weirds you out. Bring me that National Geographic. With all kinds of weird <laughs> sex shit. That's cool. No, I mean those are people's proclivities. The rest of it, you know, it's like you belong in a National Geographic magazine. Right. <laughs> just, <laughs> poor Georgia. I'm gonna pick her up and cuddle her after this. I feel bad talking bad about her. You should start like a uh, a channel on Pornhub for. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! What, you, what if there's? Is the real challenge of this bottom of the barrel podcast that we the cannot chicks that have so, the the neck rings? Oh yeah, the uh, the um, are they Burmese? I don't know. No, they're um, they're uh, shit. Um, Let's just Google it. No, they're we've, we've done a, very they're little. Ma- they're they're Maasai. It's the Maasai. Are you sure? I think maybe they're Burmese. They're like out. eighty rings. They all they have the giraffe necks, but it's really just them lowering their shoulder bones. Is it really? Yeah, the weight settles their shoulders. It, I thought the whole thing was that it stretched out. Uh, it does not stretch the neck. It lowers the. Uh, I believe it lowers the shoulders. I, uh, as a child who is homeschooled, I read a lot of National Geographic magazines. Kyan. That, hold on. This woman looks Asian. Uh, they Sounds may like there's a number of cultures that do this. Neck stretching rings? I, the Burmese may do it. Um, African and Asian cultures? Yep. Yeah. It pushed the clavicle and the ribs downwards. Hmm. Yeah. And double A. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like, so, so 
if you're listening to this podcast and you didn't get National Geographic magazines, there are cultures of women that wear heavy brass rings around their necks and they add them over time, which stretches their necks out to be like 18 inches plus in length. You sure that just it's just pushing the shoulders down? That's what it just says. It, it lowers the uh, – I just Googled it as well because now, now that you've broken me, I'm doing it all the time. It's uh, related to an ideal of beauty and elongated neck. Neck rings push the clavicle and ribs downwards. Hmm. Yeah. No kidding. You learn something new every time we do one of these. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, it, look at you. Were, it wasn't enlightening. It's done by the Cayenne, which are uh, Pads Wong. We're on the same Wikipedia yeah. page here. In the Bele, which is uh, southern, like a sub-Saharan African people group. Ask me how I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's about it. All right. Before we do the next one of these, yes, I would like to humbly request. Oh God! That you read the run the jewels run the jewels thing. You know that. So the best part about this podcast is that the people who listen to this that know us routinely send me text messages about things that we talk about in the podcast. I don't even know what we talked about, and I get like these nondescript two word text messages. I'm like, why are people just messaging me movie names? Oh, they listen to the podcast, so. You're going to be taking all kinds of dogfight bets. Yeah, dog, dog fight bets. And I, who knows what the next the next uh, string of text messages are going to be. But it suffices to say we're sticking to the, the title. This is definitely the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Um, and Post up your questions in the team room. Who knows what next week we'll bring. Softly team room on Facebook yeah. or email help at softly.com. Maybe next week we'll address health issues like sloughing skin off of your penis and shingles. Wow, uh, that got gross really quick. I mean, that is a reality of life as a human being, Aaron. Women are not the only people that get yeast infections, all right? You've had skin slough off your penis? I have not, but I've read about it. That sounds like a denial. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I was, Asking just, for a friend. I was just innocently Googling things. I was like, what's that? Well, it's, I'll tell you what, it's not herpes. That's what <laughs> wow, have you had a yeast infection? Um... So you haven't not had a yeast infection. I haven't. I have no idea. Says. I haven't had a doctor tell me if I, I like, like, well, the shoe's on the other foot this time. Last time it was you kissing <laughs> girls, and now I have a yeast infection. <laughs> had. <laughs> Fair enough. You've been in some dirty places. Oh, I have. So, I have indeed. But right. gonna, hey, let's leave that open-ended. Last thing before we end. <laughs> last thing before we end. I want an answer so we can wrap this up. Yes. If you could accurately shoot any gun or setup of guns that would be unrealistic in real life to do, what would it be? Um, Shoulder-mounted laser cannon from Predator. Okay. Yeah. That that would be pretty fucking rad. It's pretty much the best one because it like it's like it it's almost like run by a robot. It senses things. Guy doesn't have to like direct it. It just like squibbles around and blows shit up. Plus, you'd probably get the cool like Wolverine style arm claw deal. Oh, uh, for sure. That'd be pretty rad. I'd get in a lot of trouble with that. I could see you like raging in a parking lot and just fucking a bunch of people's cars up. I'd be very upset. I could, I mean, honestly, that kind of power shouldn't be entrusted to me. Like, typically, the only thing that keeps me from having overreactions is the fear that I'll run to someone who can put me in my place. Your temper definitely could not handle weapons no. of mass destruction. Not at all. Of but alien origin. I am going to. I am going <laughs> to hit this button. Fuck. Fuck Kim Jong-un. <laughs> Did you see how he looked at me at dinner the other night? It was me, Dennis Rodman, and Kim Jong-un, and he looked at me funny, and I am now hitting the red button. 
Dude, that would be a great painting. <laughs> what, me, Dennis Rodman, <laughs> and Kim Jong-un at dinner? All eating like, uh, I don't know, something weird. But McDonald's rip-off Taco North Bell. Korean. Oh, I love Taco Bell. So good. Yeah. There you I, go, man. I feel like I feel like this this painting is about to get commissioned. It could be. <laughs> you never know. All right. Well, until next time, uh, thanks for joining us at the bottom of the barrel. Uh, hopefully nobody ran out of oxygen down here.